pulpit. Uh, my son, Jamie Medic, who is going to deliver an awesome word. He's no stranger to you, but uh, stand to your feet and welcome him. I'm sure that he's got a delicious meal cooked up for you this morning. Church, can you hear me? Praise the Lord. Uh, praise the Lord. The standing ovation always, always gets me, you know, because, you know, everyone's seated for, for worship. You guys are familiar with me being the up here leading worship for you guys every week, usually as the worship director. And, uh, and so the standing ovation, we don't do that for pastor. And so, you know, uh, which we should. We should start doing that every time he comes up every Sunday and see if he likes it. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, you're not up here a lot, so uh, let's make you nervous and have everyone stand up. Um, but uh, it's, it's an honor to be here uh, speaking to you guys and not just um, leading worship. But uh, what's the real honor for me was being able to just stand and, uh, and just be in worship this morning. Um, you guys are blessed. You guys get to be in, in worship out there receiving each week. It's not every week I get to have the opportunity to receive. And so thank you to the worship team for just completely just crushing it this morning. The Spirit is here. Amen. The Spirit is here during worship. And how many of us know that what we get out of worship is reflected upon what we give in worship? And that's a little bit of worship director preaching for you guys. Uh, please don't be distracted by the stickers on my laptop, college kid trying to just get through college. So, um, But um, I'm going to open this up in prayer and we're going to jump in. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come before you this morning, God. We pray, Lord, each one of us, Lord, including myself, God, you would open our hearts, God, to hear the words that uh, you want to bring this morning, God, Lord, that you would, uh, you would uh, t- touch the things within us, God. Lord, open up our hearts, God. Lord, begin to remove walls so that we could receive from what you want to speak to us today, God. Father, as we are in this sermon series, Untapped, God, Lord, as we're learning about the authority that we as believers can walk in God. I pray that we would receive wisdom and understanding as to what those promises are, Lord, but also how can we apply these to our lives, Lord? So we give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor. Come on, the whole church says. Amen. 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 Church, like I said, it's an honor to be here preaching to you guys. We are in our untapped series, and uh, Pastor has just been doing a phenomenal job of just breaking down through Scripture, showing us that we as believers have promises and authority that we can walk in. And he, like he said during earlier today in worship, he said that authority is the same as the one seated on the right hand of God. That's Jesus. And that's in Ephesians. And uh, we're going to get to that in a little bit. But we have that same authority that we can walk in through Christ. And pastor's just been doing a phenomenal job of just breaking all of that down for us. And so this morning, my goal... My goal this morning is to, is to answer this one question, because once we understand that we have this authority, and if you've been here for this series, you understand that we have this authority, you've seen it in scripture. If you haven't been for the series, just take my word for it. We have this authority that we can walk in, we understand that, but so what do we do next? What is the next thing that we as a church can do, we as a believer can do? Like, yes, I understand. Yes, pastor, you keep telling me, I have the same authority to be able to walk in as Jesus did. What do I do to see that in my life? Because I, I keep waking up every day and going through the same exact stuff. Well, good news, that's what I'm going to answer today. And so my goal is to answer this one question this morning. What could prevent us from being able to see these promises in our lives? And I want to answer that particular question because sometimes we can, we can read the word, we can say what we want to say, and we can be like, God, oh, like you said this in the word, but there might be things that we're doing that are in enabling us that are prohibiting us, that are preventing us from being able to walk in those promises. And so my goal today is to break down some of those walls, and then I'm going to let Pastor finish the series in the weeks to come, 
that he's going to show us how we can continue to walk in that through faith. But today we got to break down some walls. And so this morning, I hope we can take a critical look at ourselves, ask ourselves the question, is there something that I'm doing that is preventing me from walking in the promise? Because before we can start to walk in the promise, sometimes we have to change some things. Sometimes before we can walk in a promise, we have to wait for that opportunity. Church, there are plenty of opportunities for us to walk in, but it's also important for us to know that some of the promises of God are conditional. We talk about this unconditional love that God has for us, and that is true. We find that in John. But there are some promises in the Bible that are conditional. And so we have to, we have to not only believe it in faith, but we also have to stand up, and we have to make sure that we are doing what God is asking of us first before we can walk in that blessing. We're going to break a lot of that down to come. But let's jump right in. I'm going to be speaking straight out of Matthew 14. Um, the verses should be up on the screen, but if you have your, your Bible, I'm reading out of Matthew 14. Um, but we're going to be starting in verse 13. It's great. I love this. Um, I try to do this whenever I prepare for a message. It's great when we can just pull a full, uh, full passage of Scripture, and we don't have to jump around too much, and we can see a full picture of what, uh, of, of, of what we want, of what, of what God wants to say. And, uh, and so we're going to be re- reading right out of Matthew 14. And I think if we're going to learn about how to walk in the promises of God, who better to learn from than Jesus himself? Amen. Come on, the Son of God, amen. But not only are we going to learn from Jesus this morning of some promises, of ways that we can walk in the promises, because clearly we're not going to see Jesus do anything wrong in this passage, but we are going to learn from the disciples and learn some things that maybe we're going to miss. Maybe we're going to learn from the disciples and see some missed opportunities, amen? So come on, let's jump right in. And I want to give a little context of the first 12 verses real quick. So I'll be using my digital Bible this morning. Um, I want to read from the NRSV version. Um, I don't have a hard copy, and so it's going to be uh, digital this morning. But um, to give a little context, um, let's just say, I'll paint the picture for the first 12 verses. Jesus is he, he's getting some bad news. And a lot of us can relate to that because we've all woke, woke up in the morning, maybe to a text message, maybe we've woken up to a phone call, and we say, hey, listen, I got some bad news. We've all woken up to some bad news, amen? And it just affects our day. It just throws us off. It bums our whole day out, and rightfully so. There's no reason why. You know, we, like, we, we wake up in the morning and we're like, listen, I got this terribly bad news. Like, I'm allowed to have one bad day. I've kept a smile on. I put a face on. I go to work every day. I, put a, I, I, I pretend to be like, everything's okay. But you know what? Today, I'm just going to have a bad day. And that's rightfully so. Nowhere does it say that we can't have a bad day. That we, it says, hey, better to go to the house of mourning than the house of praise. You know, that's Bible. And so the thing is, sure, we are rightfully to have a bad day. And Jesus finds himself in this position. Um, Jesus is, uh, one of Jesus' close friends, John the Baptist, was just beheaded. And, uh, and, and so he, he, the disciples of John take the, take the news and they deliver it to Jesus and say, hey, just so you know, John died. They killed him. He's gone. And so Jesus receives this terrible news right in the morning. And that's what we're going to pick up. And it says this in verse 13. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a deserted place by himself. We can all relate. So often when we hear bad news, we don't want to see people. We don't want to be around people. We just want to be to ourselves, be to our thoughts. Sometimes we want to be by ourselves so we can be with God. We want to get alone. That's, this is all okay. So Jesus, we see this. Jesus wants to be by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. Church, this has nothing to do with the message, but I feel that this needs to be said. How many of us know that when we walk in the promises of God, people will want to be around us? I do not believe in the saying that people won't like to be around you because you're a Christian. I don't believe that because nowhere in the Bible did people run from Jesus. No, people flocked to him. 
they flock to him. Church, don't be surprised that when we begin to walk in the promises of God, when we begin to walk out Christianity the, the right way, the way that Jesus did, the way that Christ loved the church, when we're a perfect example of Christ, the people will want to be around you. Don't get me wrong, plenty of people didn't like Jesus. I'm not saying that everyone is going to like you, but what I will say is that people won't want to not be around you. People will like to be around you because the love of God, the love of the Father is contagious. It is what everyone was after. It's why even the people who disagreed with Jesus chased after him. And though they just wanted to argue with him, they still wanted to be there. They, they knew that there was wisdom to be had. And so they chased him and said, hey, what about this? Here's this question. I bet I can stump you. And they still enjoyed to be around him. People may not like you, but they will want to be around you. In church, I wanna, we need to self-reflect this, this, this morning for a minute before we even jump into this. We're talking about things that could disqualify us. We need to look in the mirror, self-reflect, and say, do people like to be around me? Am I an enjoyable person to be around? Or do people, despite hanging out with me, do people not like being around me? Because, because if, if they don't like being around us, then maybe we need to make some changes in our life. Maybe we need to get alone and open up our word and say, hey, God, what am I missing? Because people don't want to be around me, and you're asking me to do all these things with people. How many of us know that God loves people? God loves people. And so if people don't like you, how are you going to love people like God loved people? People should want to be around you, church. We have to, we have to, we have to do that first. We've got to self-reflect, and uh, we've got to make sure that we are reflecting Christ. Because if we're reflecting Christ, then we should see what was happening to Jesus happen in our own lives. Amen. Come on, moving on. It says this, verse 14, when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion for them and cured their sick. Jesus is having a bad day. He wants to be alone. He, he flees. He tries to get away to be, to be with him and his father. And the crowd follows him. They come in. And what does Jesus say? Get away from me. I'm trying to mourn. No. No. Instead, he turns around and does what? He has compassion on them and he heals their sick. Yeah, I think one of the greatest examples we can learn from Jesus' life that we should be able to apply to our own was how available he was to people. Church, are we making ourselves available to people? Are we making ourselves available to the promise? My first point is there, we may be missing out on promises of God simply because we aren't available to them. Jesus could have turned around and said, you know what? I'm mourning. Like I need to just be alone. I need to just have a bad day. It's okay for me to have a bad day. And so I just need you guys to leave. No one would have judged him. Everyone would have been like, yeah, I had a bad day too. So I, I, get, I get where you're coming from. We're all relating here. And they, they would have left. It would have been fine. But no, instead, instead he heals their sick. In church, we have that same opportunity to walk the same way because God wants to do something mightily in each one of our lives, uniquely. For some of us, it might be miracles. For some of us, it's something else. For some of us, maybe it's speaking. For some of us, maybe it's the, maybe it's the workplace. Maybe it's the marketplace. Maybe it's just being that encouraging, supportive uh, co-worker that people can come to and lean on when they're having a bad day. Listen, it doesn't all look the same. God doesn't have the same call for me as he does for you. And what he has for you isn't necessarily better than what he has for me, vice versa. It's just different. And so we can't use examples and say it's going to look the same. Yeah. But I can promise you, whatever he has for you, it is mighty and it is in his name. Amen. Listen, if we are ever going to be able to be used by God, we have to be available. Because if we aren't available to be used by God, then we won't be available to the promises. We have to be available to God in order to be available to the promises. I think for me personally, because I was, I was like, like, I'm hoping all of you are doing is, is take a moment and looking on ourselves. Am I available? I think one of the most 
frustrating things I get told, and so unfortunately, it probably is on a regular basis too often, is, is people come up to me and they go, man, I really wanted to hang out with you this past week, but you're just too busy. You're just too busy. Ah, oh, right in the heart. Because so often we can think what we're doing is good, but you don't understand. I'm doing this. I'm going to school. I'm holding a job. I'm trying to do this. I'm trying to spend time with my word, be alone with God. I'm trying to do this, trying to maintain a friendship, trying to maintain a relationship. And we're doing all these good things, but we are unavailable to people. Church, we can't be unavailable to people. If we're too busy for people, then we're too busy for God because God is what? God is about people. We can't be too busy for God. I love this verse. I love this verse out of Isaiah 6, 8. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Church, God is looking for people who are available because there are promises available to us if we use, if we, available to us if we ourselves are available to those promises. I'm going to say that again. God is looking for people who are available because they are available to us if we ourselves are available to those promises. Church, you'll have to forgive me. Last week, I came down with what I thought was strep throat, and I lost my voice for five days. Last, it was, it was like 48 hours ago, I could finally talk for more than five minutes. And uh, that's to your benefit this morning, I promise. <laughs> church, I just want to say this, because I love what's happening at the church. And, uh, and as I prepare, I find that God gives me revelation about different things. And I was preparing, and I, and I see what Jesus is, does here, because Jesus has a pattern. What's the first thing Jesus does here that we've read about? He heals the sick. He heals the sick. And we've got so much more of this chapter to get into. I'm excited. But the first thing he does is heal the sick. So church, hear me out. Healings are succeeded by a move of God. So what am I saying? A move of God, a great move of God is preceded by healings. Church, I love what's been happening here at this church. I'm talking about seeing healings here happen on a Sunday. And it's been, it's, it's been a journey for me. It's like Christmas every day when I show up on Sunday because I don't know what God's going to quite do. But we've seen healings. But I'm, and I'm excited for the healings, but I'm really excited for what's to follow. Because before Jesus ever entered a city, and we're going to see this multiple times in this past, uh, passage, before he enters a city, he enters the city and he does what? He heals the sick. And then what happens? The Spirit of God breaks out and revival comes into the region and it saves the city. So church, I'm very excited for the healings that are happening in this church, but I am even more excited for what's going to take place on the other side of healings. Church, I can promise you, healings are great. Miracles are awesome, but it's what's on the other side of it that I'm most excited for because we're going to save people and the lost are going to be found. So church, keep believing, keep praying because a move of God is coming. Church, a move of God is coming. Come on, let's keep reading. It says this in verse 15, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is is a deserted place and the hour is now late. Send the crowds away so that they may go into the village and buy food for themselves. Jesus said to them, they need not go away. Note this, you give them something to eat. But the disciples replied, we have nothing here but five loaves and two fish. And he said, bring them to me. So Jesus is like, all right, fine, I'll do it myself. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking five loaves and the two fish, Jesus is having a crazy day. Remember, his be- one of his best friends just died this morning. He's trying to get alone. Now he can be frustrated because people are following him. Then his disciples aren't even helping him out. You know, like he's got to do it all on his own. He said, bring him here. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, taking the five loaves and the two fish. He looked up to heaven, blessed and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds. And we all know how the story goes. And they ate and they filled uh, everyone Um, And they took what was left over of the broken pieces, 12 baskets full. And those who ate were 5,000 men besides women and children. 
just men, 5,000 men, not counting the women and children that were there. So here are the disciples with a missed opportunity. I said we were talking about missed opportunities this morning. Jesus said, what did he say? You feed them. How many of us know that when God tells us to do something, he has already given us the power to do that thing? Here's an example. The Spirit speaks to us. The Spirit provokes us when we're waiting in line at the coffee shop. Most of my day I spend waiting in a coffee shop. <laughs> we're waiting in line at a coffee shop and say, hey, you go talk to that person. And we turn around, God, no, like you don't understand. Like, you know me, I don't talk really well when I'm in public to people. I'm not really friendly. Um, and, uh, and, and you know what? They probably don't want to listen to what I have to say anyway. You know, like they're probably just trying to go through life and just get to work on time. They probably don't want to hear what I have to say anyway. And ultimately, that's the justification we lay on ourselves. Because one, yeah, we're too scared of ourselves to go out there and talk to that person. But also, we're like, you know what? They probably don't even want to listen to me anyway. You know, so we'll just let them be. Church, if God asks you to go and talk to somebody, not only has he given you the power and the anointing to say what you need to say, but he has opened the heart of that person to hear what he wants to say through you. So church, don't think that you need to, when the Spirit says, hey, you need to go pray, you need to go talk to that person. All right, let me pray first and get ready. No, God's already done all the work. The disciples were in the same situation. Jesus is like, listen, you don't got to go to the village and get stuff because I've already got it. All you need to do is take part in what I'm trying to do through you. But they missed it. They missed the opportunity. Church, sometimes the promises of God aren't available to us and we aren't walking in the promises of God simply because we don't know them. Church, this is why it is so important that we are in our word and we know the promises of God. We have to know the promises of God. And we could sit here for the rest of the weeks. Pastor could throw every sermon series he's got out the window for the rest of the year and we could talk about the promises that are in the Bible and we probably still wouldn't get through them. So I can't sit here and tell you what they all are because we just don't have enough time. So church, we need to, Pastor said, come on, it's got to get, get bigger than just Sunday. We need to be in our word and, and understanding the promises of God so that we can walk in them. All I'm going to do this morning is make sure that we understand that they are there for us and that we have the same power to walk in them as Christ. Jesus already gave the disciples the power to feed the 5,000. It didn't have to be Jesus, but it ended up that way. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we all ask or imagine, according to his power that is, in, is at work within us. His power, Christ's power at work within us. Who's us? That's us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. That's us forever and ever. Amen. Church, the same power that is made available to Christ is made available to us through Christ. Know this, church. Know the promises. Come on, we got to keep on reading. Immediately, he made the disciples get into a boat and go on ahead to the other side. While he dismissed the crowds, and after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Finally, Jesus gets alone. And when evening came, he was there alone. So church, while Jesus is alone praying, I want to throw in an extra point here. The third thing that may end up happening where we won't be able to walk in the promises of God, and I talked about this earlier, is that we may be disqualifying ourselves. There are promises we don't walk in because simply we're doing things that are preventing us from being able to walk in them. I said this earlier, some of God's promises are conditional. Church, if we don't understand this, then we will miss out on a great number of promises. Listen, 
sometimes we're going to have to activate our faith. And that, that can be scary sometimes in order to receive or reach God's promise. Come on, church. God wants to bless you financially. He does. This is it's not a prosperity thing. This is, this is Bible. God wants to bless you financially. But you've got to start tithing first. Malachi 310. Church, it says this. It says, whoever, it says, I'm sorry, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse house, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Church, God wants you to get that promotion that you've been believing for, that you've been working for, you've been trying for, but you've got to be decent at your, and you've got to be the best at your current job. Listen, you're not going to get promoted if you're not the best in your position. And that's not because, oh, well, I got to fight through and this and that and, and corporate climb. No, that's Bible. Listen, it says this. It says Luke 16, 10, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. But whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Church, if you want that promotion, guess what? Start doing better at your job. Start working harder where you're at because I can tell you this. It's not so much about your superior, superiors seeing what you're doing. It's about God seeing that you're faithful in what you're doing. And God is the one that gives you the promotion. Don't think you got to go around impressing people and brown-nosing people to get the promotion. You just got to be the best in, you, in your position and in your, in, in where you're at because God is going to give you that promotion. And maybe it doesn't happen in the company that you're in, but maybe God moves you to another company and that promotion is far greater than the, than the first position you were ever trying for. Yeah. Come on, church. Someone's looking for a promotion in this place. Church, forgiveness. We're talking about forgiveness. That's, a, that's something that we need every day. We wake up and we need forgiveness. Church, forgiveness is a promise. That's, in, that's, that's 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Forgiveness is not an unconditional promise. It's a conditional promise. We have to walk into it. It's a promise. But here we go. If we don't forgive others first, then the word says that God won't forgive us. Matthew six fifteen. But if you do not forgive others their sin, your father will not forgive your sins. Church, we throw forgiveness out there like it's like, oh, I'll just do this bad thing and then God will forgive me. You know, ask for, you know, um, don't ask permission, ask for forgiveness later, right? I don't know how that saying goes, but people do that. <laughs> risky. That's a risk you guys can all take because if you haven't forgiven everybody else in your life, then guess what? Then you're not going to get forgiveness in you. Yeah. And that's not me just conjuring up a revelation. That's straight out of the Bible. Church, uh, forgiveness is a promise. Forgiveness has a conditional. There are promises that are conditional, God, that God wants to us to partake in. He wants us to walk in these promises, and he doesn't make them too complicated. You want forgiveness? Great. Forgive somebody else. Yeah. These are simple things. It's not like, hey, here's step one, step two, step three, then you got to go over this bridge, and then you got to do this. No, it's not that. It's, hey, listen, if you want to be forgiven, just forgive others, okay? And then I'll forgive you. It's pretty simple stuff. It's a one-step thing. Church, but we disqualify ourselves from so many promises simply because we just don't know. We don't know that there's, that there's these conditions. Church, we have to make sure that we can enter into the promise of forgiveness. Because if we don't, we may end up on death day looking at the wrong side of heaven's gates. And we don't want to be in that position. So we really got to really gotta look in the mirror this morning. And this is why I said we're going to do a lot of self-reflecting. Really got to look in the mirror this morning and say, all right, God, like, what am I doing? Maybe this is, so we're, we're, gonna talk, we're talking about this while Jesus is alone praying. Maybe we need to get alone and pray and say, God, you know what? Like, I feel like I'm doing all these things and they're good, but what am, maybe I'm missing something. Maybe you're saying like, hey, I feel like I'm just not walking in the promises the way that pastor's been saying. Great. Maybe you need to get with God and spend some time with him one-on-one and say, you know what, God, why don't you reveal to me what's wrong with me? Because I guarantee you this, he knows. 
and he is the, he's a loving father. He doesn't know because he's like that guy looking down on you saying, hey, you're doing this wrong. That's not it. He knows because he knows the best way for us. He knows our potential. He knows our way out. He wants us to walk in the promises. And so it's not like, hey, God, I'm so sorry. Like, what am I doing wrong? It's God like, hey, I know that you want me to walk in these promises. Like, what do I do? Great. This is where we're going to start. And that's God in this whole thing. So just to recap a little bit where we're at, we're at a halfway point. It says, my first point was we aren't available. We have to be available to the promise, make ourselves available. Second point, we don't know them. We have to know them, know the word. And thirdly, we can disqualify ourselves simply because some of the promises that we're, we're seeking towards can be conditional. And like I said, we're not going to get to all the promises this morning, but the goal is to set us up so that when we leave here, we can send our word, open up and say, hey, here's a promise from God. All right, now how can I make sure that this is being applied to my life? Come on, let's jump back into, the, back into reading. It says this, it says, But by this time, the boat battered by the waves was far from the land, but the wind was against them, and early in the morning, he came walking towards them on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost, and they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat and started to walk on the water and came towards Jesus. Come on. Peter's walking on water. Finally, he got something right. Come on. He inquires of God. He's like, hey, like if, if it's you, if it's Jesus, come on, you command me to come out. So he basically asks God for permission. Hey, if you want me to come out, because if you're God, then you can enable me to walk on water, not just yourself. And so Peter in faith was able to walk on water simply because he asked. Come on, church. John 14, 14, you may ask for me anything in my name and I will do it if you love and keep my commands. Come on, church. We just, sometimes we miss out on the promises of God simply because we don't ask, because we're just simply not involving God. But like, why wouldn't we ask God? Why wouldn't we ask the one who has all the answers? Why wouldn't we ask someone who has all the answers? Church, I'm going to be real for a minute because um, I'm at a point in my life as a man where I realize why it is so important for me to do things on my own. You know, but I also realize that the most humbling thing that I have to do is ask for help on a regular basis. Why? Because, because I'm, in a, I'm in a position in my life, I'm like, I'm trying to get out of my parents' house, I'm finishing school, I'm getting married soon, all of this great stuff, getting, uh, getting an apartment, I'm growing up being an adult, I'm like, you know what? I'm an independent person. I can do it on my own. I'm an independent person, you know? I'm, I'm kind of an independent person. I'll be honest, I'm an independent person with a really, really great fiance. And, uh, and I'm gonna take, and uh, this is a shameless plug for her. I'm so excited because she's incredible. She's amazing. And, uh, and we just, we, Valentine's Day was last week. And uh, was it two weeks ago? It was last week. And, um, and uh, we were sitting down. We were talking about just the, the past year and everything. And sure enough, last year's Valentine's Day come up, came up, 2019 Valentine's Day. And because uh, it was so incredible and some bad stuff. And this one particular moment came up from the day. It wasn't a good moment. One particular moment came up from the day. And, uh, and, uh, and so, so I, I'll just give you the context. I planned the day out, right? I planned the whole Valentine's Day out. We've been in for like two and a half months. I'm driving to Boston to go visit her. I, I bought the Symphony House tickets. I got the reservation at Morton's. I'm like, yo, this is how this is going to work. Not only did I make sure I had all the places, because that's important, you know? Don't be that guy. But I also <laughs> planned how long it was going to take to go from point A to point B to point C. I knew that I needed to pick Danielle up at, by 534 because I had to get to Morton's and we couldn't spend within two hours and 34 minutes having dinner because I had to get 17 minutes across Boston to make sure that we were at the symphony house by 8.30. 
So you guys got to give me a break. I was like two months in. I was, I was nervous. I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to mess this up. And so I, uh, and so I, I get there, I get to the, I get to her college early to pick her up and uh, she gets in. She has no idea unfortunately. And uh, she, we get in and we're on our way and everything's going well. I'm checking my time, watching the GPS, checking my time, watching the GPS, having a conversation with Danielle, checking my time, watching the GPS. And she's like, we should open up our Valentine's gifts. Well, I'm just like checking the time and watching my GPS. I'm like, let's do it. And so she's unwrapping her gift for me and, and she's unwrapping the gift that I got for her and she's reading through everything. And, uh, and we're sitting in traffic because that's Boston, but I've already planned that out. I knew the traffic. I knew of this traffic, planned that out. What I didn't plan was that when we go into this tunnel, not only do we lose reception, which is an unfortunate thing in the 21st century, but you actually lose satellite on your phone too. And so my GPS stopped working. And so we're about 15 minutes into this tunnel and my little guy on my phone is still at the entrance to this tunnel. And I realized it hasn't moved. And we're in traffic. I'm like, oh, you can't get out. It's a tunnel. You know, there's exits and stuff. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now we're going to be late. And so, Daniel, and so we come out the other end of the tunnel, and I get my GPS back. I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to be eight minutes late to our reservation. They're going to cancel on us. And she's like, oh, I think it's like a 15-minute grace period. And Daniel's sweet. She's like, it's okay. And I'm like, this is our first big day, you know? And I'm trying to make sure it all works out. And, uh, and, uh, and, and she's like, well, what happened? I'm like, well, my GPS froze. And she's like, oh, I wish I knew because I could have told you that your phone's not going to work in the tunnel. I'm like, oh. And she's like, well, where did you need to go? I'm like, this street, you know? And she's like, oh, that's exit 26 when you're in the tunnel. And I'm like, oh my goodness, why didn't I ask? And so often, so often we're like this with God. We're trying to impress God. I'm trying to impress Danielle. We're trying to impress God. We're, try, we're trying to impress God and say, God, look what I can do. And we think that we're doing God a favor. Look, God, I can do it on my own. It's not that I don't need your help. But it's just, I want to show you what I can do. Sometimes it's in good conscience. Sometimes we think we're doing it good. It's not like, God, I don't want to involve you. Sometimes it's really just like, God, no, like you've been doing so good. Like you just take a break and I don't want to involve you right now. And I'm going to do this on my own. And we're like this with God. And, and unfortunately, church, this is not what God wants. We think we're doing God a favor, but we're really just hurting ourselves because what we're doing is we're pulling away from the Father. Every time we make it about us. Because we don't realize that by us trying to impress God is by us trying to prove to God that we can do something. Yeah. And it separates us. We keep, we keep hitting brick wall after brick wall after brick wall. Man, why is it so hard? Well, maybe you just didn't ask God. Is this what God wants you to do? Church, if you feel like you're in a point in your life where you just keep hitting brick walls, you may need to just sit down and say, you know what? Have I actually asked God if this is what he wants me to do? We need to involve God. Because we struggle and we grind and we try so hard just to get to the point where we say, hey, God, look what I can do. And God turns around, as gratified as he is, he doesn't care about what we do. He cares about who we do it with. And God turns around and he goes, yeah, but you didn't have to try so hard. You didn't have to be so hard. And church, I'll be honest. Truthfully, what we've built on our own is insignificant compared to if we had just asked God in the first place. So we got to stop building ourselves up thinking that we're able to do it on our own because God wants to do it with us. It doesn't have to be so hard. Church, if we're trying to find our purpose in life without God, it's like trying to walk on water without Jesus. It is impossible. It is hopeless. And it is a complete waste of effort.
Church, we have to involve God. And speaking of not walking on water, verse 30. But he noticed a strong wind. He became frightened, this is Peter, and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You of little faith, why did you doubt? Church, so often we miss out on the full promises of God simply because we don't believe them. And that is a hard pill for us sometimes believers to swallow. What do you mean, I don't believe it? Church, John 14 says this, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the will, will do the, uh, will do the works that I have been doing, for they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Church, when are we going to start believing the promises that are in the Word of God? When are we going to start believing? I don't want to spend too much time on this point because pastor told me what he's preaching about next week and it has more to do with this point. When are we going to start believing about the promises that are in the Bible? Are we actually going to believe them? Or are we just like, oh, I'll just say this and it'll be good. We have to come to the point, church, where we believe them. Church, Psalm 23, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Church, that's a promise. Like I said, we can spend all day finding promises. Listen, if the Bible says don't fear, then why do we wake up every day worrying? Worrying about the news, worrying about the sicknesses, worrying about the corona, worrying about you know, finances, worrying about this, worrying about that. Listen, we can work towards things, but there's no point in us getting anxious about them. There's no point in us worrying about them. We're worrying about things that are out of our control. I can't control corona. You know? I can't control where the stock market goes. I can pretend, but I can't. You know, I can take measures. You know what? Like maybe I'm just not going to go to an airport today. Or you know what? Maybe I'm just not going to put all of my life savings into the stock market. I don't know. But we can do things to prevent ourselves from putting ourselves in risky situations. But there's no sense in us worrying about them. Because God doesn't worry about the day-to-day. God is just worried about people. He's worried about the relationship. He's worried. Because if we worry about people, if we do what God is asking us to do, church, I can promise you, God's going to take care of the rest. You worry about what God wants us to worry about, we focus on what God wants us to focus on, and God's going to take care of the rest. Yeah. And that's a promise. Church, that's a promise. Come on, do we trust God? Do we trust his word? Do we trust his promises? Church, that we need to start walking in them. We need to start declaring these things over ourselves. We've got to activate our faith a little bit. We've got to activate things by, by saying, you know what, the situation, yeah, it's a little wild. It's a little scary. I get that. But you know what? The Bible says that I will not fear evil. So I'm going to turn around. I'm going to stand firm in Christ. I'm going to say, enemy, you have no place here. This is a temple of God. And you don't belong here. You don't belong in my mind. And I'm going to continue to walk out the promises that are laid out in scripture for me, the word of God. And you don't get a place here. And so we're done. I'm done worrying. I'm done freaking out about it. I'm just going to continue to go on and do exactly what you want me to do. Church, I cannot implore you enough. If we want to see the promises, then we better start believing them. And church, I'm almost done, so I'm going to invite Angelia to come up on the keys. We're going to keep reading here. And it says, when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly you are the Son of God. And there's a couple verses here left, but we could probably stop because it's just about healing, and we don't need to hear more of that, right? Like, we've already read that today. No, church, come on, my last point. Sometimes we miss out on the promises of God because we're too familiar to them. We're too familiar to them. Come on, this is exciting. When they had crossed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and the people that were in that place recognized him. They sent word throughout the region, brought all who were sick. They're like, yo, he's here. And they begged him that they might touch even the fringe of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Church, have we become familiar with the promises of God? Have we become familiar with the promises of God? We're like, oh, seen that? Seen God do that a million times. 
Sometimes we forget about a promise we're actually walking in because we become complacent in it. I think of the Israelites in, in the Old Testament in Genesis when they are um, walking around the, um, when, they're, when, they're, when, they're, when they're trapped in the desert and, and, and God is literally their provider. God, our provider, that's a promise, is providing manna for them every single day. Like they wake up, no food, you know, but there's manna that they can eat every single day. I was like, God, have you made it that obvious, you know? But they became so complacent in that promise that they literally started to worship idols. Church, we can't become complacent. Church, you may be a chosen people, but you can still miss the will of God. We cannot become complacent. So we need to ask God to refresh our understanding of his promises so that we are always in awe of his goodness. Church, we should ask for a refreshing every day we wake up. We wake up, we praise God for the little things. God, you said that the sun was going to come up. You said that each day I'm going to wake up with breath in Thank you. Wow. Received that promise. Maybe we woke up and that was the first thing. Like, man, you know what? Praise the Lord. So often I, I feel like people wake up like, ah, oh, not again. <laughs> we got to wake up and we got to be like, you know what, God? Like, thank you for today. And uh, I don't know what's, what's expected, but thank God. And, some, and then we got to go to work like, oh man, not again. Not this job again. You know what? God, thank you for a job because there's plenty of people that don't have one. Yeah. God, thank you for a job that is able me to do what I actually want to do. Church, we got to thank God in the little things. we got to thank God in the little things because we cannot miss the promises of God that he set for us. The day in, the day out ones, the dailies. We cannot become complacent to the promises around us. So church, this morning, I've been saying it, we got to take a strong look at ourselves and make sure, are we doing anything that could be disqualifying us? Are we not making ourselves available? Church, do we simply just not know the word? We have this engage card here, and um, if you look on the back, there's a ton of different things you can check off, but there's this, there's this, little, um, this little heading here that says, this week I will, and um, that, that implies to the message that um, I've been sharing with you guys, and it says, it says, remember to praise God in the little things, and this is not, this is not like, hey, if you check this, like, hey, this is going to happen. This is, simply, this is simply just a check of you saying, you know what, like, I am going to continue to wake up and thank God in the little promises. I am going to thank up and I am going to wake up and continue to thank God. You know, thank God I have a job. I am going to continue to wake up and say, you know what, God, thank you for that promise. Because I remember a time in my life where I didn't have this, where I didn't have that. I didn't have that friendship. I didn't have that relationship. I didn't have this closeness. I didn't have this church. I didn't have these people around me. You know what? So thank you, God, for bringing me here. Because there was a time where I didn't have these things. But because of your promises and because of who you are, you've led me here. Church, we got to remember to praise God in the little things. Because if we praise God in the little things, then he can get us ready and we can look to the greater promises. Because if we, just, if we miss out on the little things, what does it say in Luke? It says, those who's honest with a little will be honest with much. God, if we can continue to thank God for the little things, then he knows that we're going to thank him for the big things. So we've got to thank God for the little things. And the next one below this is be available. Be available. And I know we live in a culture where we're just so busy. I'll do myself, and I have to make it a point to make sure that I'm available to, available to, to my job, available to my school, available to my fiance, available to my family. And we got to be available. And maybe you're sitting there this morning and saying, you know what, Jamie, like you're right, I need to be available. Great. Check this box. And the next time Pastor gets up here and says, hey guys, there's an opportunity you better be the first one with your hand up saying, you know what? I don't even know what that is, but I'm going to do it. I don't even know what, what 
AV stands for, but I'm going to do it. I'm sure they're going to teach me. They're going to show me how to do it. Because church, if we're available for the opportunity, then God can move, in those pro- move through that opportunity with his promises. Amen? I, I, it came through my feed like 48 hours ago, and so I, I had to share it because um, I don't watch hockey, but I love the movie Miracle. And uh, Coach Brooks said this to the U.S. Olympic team uh, before they beat Russia in Lake Placid. It's a great moments are born from great opportunity. So church, we can't forget the daily promises of God. We can't forget the little things. We have to be available because there are more promises God is looking to bless upon each and every one of us if we simply made ourselves available to them. Church, I pray that this carries home with you. I pray that this, this awakens something inside of you. And I pray that we're all able to go out of here filled with, with, uh, with, with, that, with that energy, that spirit that Pastor talked about, that it carries out from just Sunday. But it carries into Monday, carries through Friday, and it gets us back here to next Sunday. So church, be blessed. Thank you so much for hearing my words. And uh, Pastor Matt. So good, so good, so good. What are you doing on the computer? Oh, there it is. You know, Jamie shared a few promises. Listen, every page of promise, every page of promise. How many pages are in here? Every line of promise. I could flip this thing open to any given page. There's a promise there for me. This is how, this is where I just start to get crazy. Like, man, I don't know if you could see the inside. I'm going a million miles an hour because are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Every page of promise and they're all for me and Christ won them all for me. The game's been won. It's over. This final score is a bazillion to zero. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. It was over before it started. It, we, we sang that song, it, it, Jesus, you have no rival, you know, and we tend to think, I, I got to be careful not to preach. We, we tend to think, I just got to share this one point, we, he has no rival. We tend to think like, you know, LeBron James, you know, he has no rival. Yeah, okay, but everybody else on the court is like an ant. You know, I'm not talking like children, I'm talking like literally ants. And as he's dribbling the ball, the ants are just dying underneath the basketball. And this is Jesus running down to slam dunk the ball. He has no rival, right? They can't even, they could all jump on the ball and he'd still put it through the hoop. There's just no way the enemy can win. There's no way. It's done. It's over. It's finished. It's history. Oh, my gosh. Anyways.